Listeners, you are listening to Chewing the Scenery Horror Movie Podcast. We are a podcast where three friends get together, virtually until safe to do otherwise, and talk about a horror movie or several. And we will spoil those movies that we talk about. But the recently watched, which we will discuss first, we'll try not to spoil. And we're not professional critics, so take that going forward and uh, remember that as we go along. And we thank the Moonrays for giving us that song, Intro Creature Features, at the top of the show. You can find the music on Apple Music or Amazon, where you can buy it digitally. And you can say hello to them on Facebook, where they are the Moon-Rays. And we made a coloring book. That's right, the three of us, your, your hosts, made a Plan 9 from Outer Space coloring book. You know, you want to order this thing before it's too late to get it in time for Christmas or... Hanukkah or Kwanzaa or Robonica. It's the perfect stocking stuffer. It really is. I think I'm going to start celebrating Robonica. Have you guys ever watched Robonica? Robonica. What's that? It's it's the holiday that that the robots celebrate on uh, Futurama. Oh, okay. Yeah. Does they have the Santa Claus too that flies oh. around? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, he uh, shoots lasers at people. He has like a candy cane launcher and okay. yeah, robot Santa. Yeah, he's great. Yeah, let's let's do Robonica then. We'll do some robot movies next uh, Ooh, around Christmas. That's a good, oh, good idea. I like that idea. Wh- wh- when does Robonica fall? I'll I'll have to see if they've written anything on it. I mean, I've only seen Bender okay. celebrating it, so I don't really know. Because um, I, I, I want to celebrate Robonica badly. <laughs> yeah, doesn't it sound great? And there's a, in the Christmas episodes of Futurama, you see uh, Bender having a chat with uh, Kwanzaabot, who uh, explains that no, no one understands him. <laughs> so that's cool. But those are the best episodes. Oh. The Christmas episodes are the best. Okay. Um, oh, yeah. Plan9coloringbook.com. Go to plan9coloringbook.com. And uh, it'll click you through to uh, purchase our coloring book. And we'll give you extra stuff, especially as we get closer to the holidays, no matter what holidays you celebrate. So, housekeeping done. Guys, <laughs> what have you watched since we did this last? Uh, you want to go first, Jolene, or shall I? Uh, Will. All right. Uh, more Star Trek. Uh, we're done with next gen. Um, um, what else? Oh, we've been watching Shit's Creek, the comedy. Yeah. All right. Um, that's about it for me. How do you like that show? I like it. All right. It's uh, it's amusing enough to watch. Um, 
Gene's mostly watching it. I'm not watching it religiously, but I've enjoyed all the episodes I've seen. Yeah, it's... And Catherine O'Hara is always good. Do you like... Uh, did you know that that's um, Eugene Levy's son, Dan Levy? The father and son are actual father and yeah. son? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I figured that out, yeah. It was either good casting or they're actually related. That's what I thought at first. I was like, damn, they got someone with like the same eyebrow. <laughs> right? But, uh... Yeah. I guess it was better than just good casting. Yeah. Have you ever seen uh, Cannibal Girls? No. It's uh, early 70s, 72-ish, maybe. Uh, it's a film directed by Ivan Reitman. Oh, okay. Years before Ghostbusters, and it stars uh, Eugene Levy. Oh, okay. That's great. <laughs> Cannibal Girl. Yep. I have to check that one out. Oh, man. We had a... Oh, I did watch... Uh, I did watch uh, The Alien Factor. Uh, oh, yes. John Dollar film, which is terrible, but also... <laughs> Good? I don't know. It's a fun, bad movie. It's Dollar-esque. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the man only made the one type of movie. I don't know what he was trying to say. I don't know if he himself felt alienated and hunted by rednecks. Uh, what was the other one you were looking for? Is it Demon Lover or something? Something like that. Uh, Night Beast. Night Beast, that's it. Yeah, I couldn't find it. I looked for it, but... Yeah, I think I'll just have to break down and, and uh, rent it at some point. It's like yeah, I think Vinegar Syndrome put it out. Yeah, they did. Well, if that's um, if that's the one you're going to get when you rent it, then you're at least going to know that the transfer looks good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the copy of Alien, uh, I've seen Alien Factor before, and this copy was really cleaned up and you could tell what was going on oh which was uh when i had seen that movie before it was about a third generation vhs tape that yes. was already real dark <laughs> i remember it being real dark and muddy and hard to make out the aliens and now you're like, you can you can see them you can tell what they are supposed to be which yeah kind of ruins it but <laughs> yeah, the only one I've seen is like because it's mostly shot at night in the woods. Uh, yeah, it's like I I couldn't tell what I was looking at. Yeah, that's how all his movies appear to be. <laughs> so, like, is it a mockbuster in the dark? <laughs> what is it a mockbuster of Alien? No, no. Um, this was just some guy in Baltimore who uh, made little films, and the story always seems to be an alien crashes on earth wanders around in the woods killing people you, you never know why it's just they're just killers and then rednecks hunt them with guns oh and i'm not kidding that is basically the same plot of uh of uh night beast uh alien factor and uh galaxy invader i'm sure he has more <laughs> wow so I as you're talking I just pulled this up and it says it was filmed in 72 and was shelved for six years before it was finally released in 78 so I guess it wouldn't have been a, a, mo uh, a mockbuster so if it looked outdated no. for 78 that's because it wasn't from 78 oh they have a band in there they paid to 
to play a couple songs. Well, they only play, I think, one song live, but you hear their music at least two other spots in the movie playing over the radio. Oh, they are the most unattractive band you've ever seen. Just, wow. Yeah? Unbelievable. Worse looking than the aliens. Oh, well, they should have just cast them. <laughs> A little grease paint, you're good to go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now I want to watch it. it. The, uh, the last the last episode of uh, Dana Gould podcast is about conspiracies. Yeah. Uh, A lot, lot of it's about Roswell. Okay. He's, he's very skeptical yeah, about Roswell. Yeah, I listened to it. And well, he tells you what the whole thing is. He believes the weather balloon nonsense is what seems to be the case here, and I don't. No, 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 no. Or Project Mogul, whatever. It's, no. No? Project Mogul, that's it. I don't believe Project Mogul was, was what happened it, at Roswell. I'm just going to go on record as saying that. Okay? Okay. <laughs> I mean, I'm not asking. Okay. <laughs> I'm not asking anyone to get on board with me. I'm just going to say I don't buy the Project Mogul explanation for Roswell. I think that uh, that some sort of ship, whether it was from another planet or not, crashed there. That's what I think happened, and I'm just going to say that because I believe Jesse Marcel. Um, not the cover story that he had to go along with, but I believe Jesse Marcel when he said he handled things that were not weather balloon related or project mogul related, but we could, we could do a whole show about that. In fact, maybe, maybe we should sometime. Maybe we could do like a, uh, a debate style, like a debate team style. We could, we could take the point of view of no way it's, it's project mogul. It's nothing else. And I could maybe take the, the, or, you know, I could have to maybe defend Project Mogul and see what I could learn. But we could just pick sides and flip a coin, pick sides, research it and, and uh, argue it. I would totally do it. All right, maybe. I haven't been on a debate team for decades. Same. <laughs> I, remember, I remember being on a debate team at school and uh, I made everyone laugh uh, Yeah, for saying something really stupid, I can't remember what it was. But yeah, not not a good record with debate teams. Well, it pushes, oh, it, it pushes them back on their heels if you make them laugh. Then they forget their point. I don't think he wanted to. Yeah, but I made them laugh by uh, saying something really stupid. <laughs> oh, oh, like they laughed at you. So I haven't changed much, really. <laughs> well, yes. Now we bring that service to the internet. So anyone who wants it can have it for free. <laughs> yes. Now, now people around the world can hear stupid things I say. Oh, yeah. We've got listeners all over the globe. I mean, I think Antarctica is the one place we haven't been listened to at. That was a terrible sentence. Uh, Jolien, what, what about what, what's you? What's up with those Antarcticans? I don't know. I We saw the thing. I suspect that there's they've all just been taken over. Yeah. The nineteen eighty one. I'm gonna watch that again this winter. It's perfect oh, yeah. winter viewing. Like some weekend when we're all snowed in and it's hopeless to even shovel your walk. 
Yes. That's when you watch it. Yeah, well, definitely. You know. Yeah, it should slide ni- nicely before uh, Robo. Robonica. <laughs> Robonica, that's it. <laughs> uh, so, Jolian, you ready? Do you want to do your recently watched? Uh, okay, yeah, we finished up watching uh, Ultraman Ace. Um, several of the, uh, well, all the uh, Ultraman series from the 70s that I've seen so far, they have a, they have a segment where they'll do several episodes and they're called horror episodes. And sometimes they do them in winter and sometimes they do them in, in summer during the Obon Festival. Um, but uh, so, so this time they were doing like uh, Yeti stories and things like that. That's was, was quite fun. And then uh, Thanksgiving and thanks Boxing Day, we uh, what we binge watched uh, the entirety of the original uh, Gundam uh, series, the the movie versions. Um, so that was about seven hours of ro- robot action. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Uh, and I watched a whole bunch of uh, on on YouTube. I was looking for early silent horror movies as far back as I could go. So lots of uh, the trick films and things. Yeah, you can find a whole bunch of them there. There's like a playlist where you can just put in uh, early horror movies or you know history of horror movies, eighteen ninety six to nineteen twenty or something like that, and you get a whole bunch of them. Ooh, okay. Uh, and, and where they um, where where a film is lost, they'll often dig up what lobby cards they they can find, so you can check out, you know, what what the earliest Jekyll and Hyde's and Frankenstein's and werewolves and uh, things like that look like. Um, yeah, that, that was fun to do. Um, yeah. And then uh, we watched uh, Blindfold, which is a thriller from the. Whoops, Thriller from the 60s with uh, Rock Hudson and Claudio Cardinale. Uh, I remember watching this one as a kid every time it came on TV. So he's this, uh, he's a psychiatrist who's, uh, uh, he's recruited to take care of a scientist who knows a lot of secrets and uh, he's got to bring him out of a sort of a uh, fugue state. And, uh, but then after a while he, he, he doesn't know which of the groups he's working for is actually working for the other side or not. Um, it, it's a lot goofier than I remember it. There's a lot of slapstick in it, which is like, which is really jarring, but uh, overall it's very, very fun. Uh, and then um, we lost uh, Dave Prowse on uh, Saturday. Yeah. Oh, that's right. So Dave, Dave Prowse, Played the Frankenstein monster in three movies, which is uh, as many times as Karloff did. Yeah, um, but he was he was in uh, several Hammer movies, and uh, of course he was Darth Vader and um, Bren. He's he was also known as the Green Cross Man, and he's he's in tons of comedies and things. And a Clockwork um, Orange. So last night watched uh, Vampires. Sorry. And a Clockwork Orange. He was the bodybuilder. What did you say? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, which yeah, with um, yes. Last night we watched uh, Vampire Lovers, which has got Adrian Corrie in it, and she was also in Clockwork Orange. Oh, cool! So it's uh, one of those early seventies vampire movies. Uh, 
Yeah, so uh, that is all I've seen. That's a pretty good list. Um, so watch, watch the Vampire Lovers and uh, Daughters of Darkness, but that, that's it. Well, those are two of them we'll talk about. Um, my recently watched is a pretty short list. I've watched um, several episodes of UFO Hunters, and uh, this is one where a bunch of researchers go out and uh, talk to witnesses and see if they can verify or somehow disprove their claims of sightings or encounters. And uh, it's all documented in a very um, docu-series slash reality show kind of way. But they seem pretty diligent. And um, one of the guys is, oh, I want to say he's a MUFON investigator. Uh, but uh, it's really cool. They do really get on on site with these things. And rather than just going through old uh, records, they're going and interviewing people and uh, looking at the night sky and trying to figure out if it came from this direction, could it have been this or that? So it's a pretty cool series. So I watched several episodes of that. Um, so that was my UFO stuff for the week. I decided to see what was new on Shudder. And there's a movie from 2019 called Porno, which I thought... Of course, that's going to be a misleading title. And what it is, uh, several teenagers working at a movie theater for a very uh, strict religious uh, manager slash owner. They are given sort of this freedom to watch a movie after hours, which is kind of a normal thing in movie theaters. And um, it's a small town and all that stuff. So uh, they're deciding whether they... And it's set in... Oh, what I'm trying to remember what time period it was set in, but they were trying to decide between one movie and another, and it was, it was, uh, oh my God, what was the what was the stupid caveman movie? Encino Man. Mm-hmm. They were trying to decide between Encino Man and something else, so that makes me think it was early '80s, or I'm sorry, early '90s or late '80s. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, oh, it, it was Le- a league of their own or Encino man were the two they were trying to decide between which one to screen. And while they're messing around, uh, this weird guy gets in and somehow goes through some door they didn't know was there. And they go looking to see what's behind this door and they discover a bunch of old reels of film. So they thread one of those up and it's a very weird satanic, uh, art film looking thing with a lot of nudity and then later on blood. And they're like, holy crap, this is weird. But it seems to open some sort of portal and let some sort of beast through. And the beasts can take different forms. And for a couple of the sexually repressed guys, it takes the form of a beautiful woman. And it seems to trick people and then hurt them. And you're wondering, well, where are they going with this? Well, it goes through about 10 different scenarios and configurations and messy, sloppy, weird things. And there's a lot of chasing around and figuring things out. And it just feels like the movie could have ended three times before it finally starts to tell you what it's doing. So my complaint with the movie is probably the last third of it. They should have maybe rewritten it a little bit, but, uh, it was fairly funny and fairly entertaining. It had a lot of bloody special effects that, might be hard for some folks to look at, but, 
Yeah, it was some interdimensional demon thing happening. So that's just to give you a little idea. I would say yeah, it's it's worth worth a watch for fun, but it's not something it's going to become a serious favorite for anyone. And then uh, our mainstream thing that we ended up watching was The Happiest Season, which is basically um, <laughs> it's kind of kind of your Hallmark or Lifetime movie that's supposedly being edgy. And it's a, it's a rom-com, to call it what it is. And you've got uh, Kristen Stewart and Mackenzie Davis as Abby and Harper. And they're a couple. And Harper's family is one of those snooty, well-to-do families that's got a big house. And the dad has some political aspirations beyond whatever he's... He's been on city council and he wants to run for governor or something like that. So he wants to, you know, put up a, uh, a front as being this ideal family with great values and so on and so forth. So of course these two girls are in the closet and they're going to go try to spend the weekend for Christmas at the parents' house during the father launching his campaign as wanting to be governor. And they're in separate rooms or what have you. And they're known as being roommates and I would say hilarity ensues, but it's really not hilarious. It's kind of cringy. And uh, Dan Levy, who we mentioned earlier, who's in Schitt's Creek, he's uh, a gay man who's a friend of one of the girls. And he's always offering advice and he's just sort of aloof about everything. Criminally underused in this movie. He could have made this movie so much better, but they didn't, they didn't use his character enough. But it's just sort of like, uh, oh, and Mary Steenburgen and Victor Garber are the parents. Alison Brie is a classmate of Harper who's still in this small town. And I assume it's Connecticut or something. I don't even remember. But uh, the whole thing is just sort of this big cringy mess. And there's a lot of embarrassing moments and stupid things that happen and awful family members. And I just kind of feel like, I don't know, man, you're going to go spend the weekend with these awful people and you're going to like hide who you really are. And then I, I predicted a couple things that were rom-com things, but they didn't come from where I thought they would come from. So, Ooh, you threw me a twist. Uh, I would say, where did you see this? It was on Amazon prime. So okay. prime video, whatever. Uh, is it, is it free? Oh, you can bet it's free. I would not have paid for this. <laughs> uh, I'm sh I'm pretty sure that. Okay, yeah, I, I quite wanted to check this one out. Yeah, I, you know, make up your own mind about it. But I'm going to say it's it's just not it's not what it could have been. With with some better writing, they could have been like, oh, let's mess with the parents. Let's make them wonder and worry. I mean, they could have done so many different things with it, but they didn't. So they kind of just like okay. slow pitch straight up the middle. So, uh, so then the other things of course were the lesbian vampire <laughs> movies of which you loaned us a total of four movies and I watched three of them. And if one of them wasn't on the flip side of a disc that will needed to watch, I would have watched that one too. Let's see. We watched, uh, the vampire lovers, the blood spattered bride and 
Daughters of Darkness. Darkness. Yeah. So, guys, how familiar are you with this whole thing about lesbian vampire movies from the early 70s? Not very. This is my pile. You're a bit of an expert. (laughs) And an enthusiast. (laughs) I like him. What can I say? Yes. Should we get the... Yeah, watch the Vampire Lovers. Yeah. Yeah, Hammer, Hammer did... Uh, they did four of them, I think. They did the Karnstein trilogy. Okay. Uh, they did Countess Dracula, uh, Vampire Lovers, uh, Lust for a Vampire, which is probably the weakest one, and Twins of Evil. But yeah, three out of four of those are, are, are good. No. Uh, especially like Vampire Lovers. Now, I guess one of the first things that that uh, that I might ask of of you guys and of myself, and what our listeners might ask of us is, why do we enjoy these things? Is it strictly for the titillation of of oh look at there's there's women they're they're naked and they're doing things and and they're vampires? Is it that or are there um, psychosexual things uh talking about the uh overturning the norms of the day and calling into question the values of the public at large uh what are the reasons that you enjoy these things as much as you do uh, yes to the above all yeah. right yeah. all right uh it would it would be dishonest to say that we don't enjoy uh what we enjoy uh, because there's like a certain Pavlovian response to like, Ooh, nudity. Ooh, women doing sexual things. You know, there's a certain response that we have. It's just like, yay, I like this thing. But then it seems like there's <laughs> part of society that wants us to feel badly about that. And I'm just not going to, I don't know about you guys, but are we going to be guilty? Yeah, if, if you, if you objectify people that way you know if, if that's the only way you think about them right uh then yeah I, I, that's there's something wrong with that but, but yeah the the spectacle of ingrid pitt or stenskard or whoever is something to behold yeah yeah attractive people being depicted in a sexual way is not done for bookish reasons is it not usually <laughs> I mean, it's it's not usually like they're trying to further our society or anything by saying, hey, look at this nude vampire woman. And, oh, she's with another nude vampire woman. You know, and, and it's like this. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, I, I've seen some that are just like that. You know, the actor not, is not interesting. Uh, it doesn't bring much to the role apart from looking pretty. And it's just uh, it's dull. Yeah. Uh, I, I find that dull. Yeah, when it's um, when it's clearly, you know, I, I'm not a big fan of genre land films. When it's strictly exploitation, it doesn't really seem to do much. But when you have an interesting story, yeah, it's not, not interesting. Yeah. So, but like a uh, vampire lovers, uh, Ingrid Pitt is really good, and she she gives like the because this character is quite you know this is uh, one of the. Uh, films based on the Carmilla story and uh, that's a quite a sad character and she she manages to convey that 
uh, I think. Uh, uh, she, yeah, it's a really good performance. Yeah, for the yeah. for the most part, yeah, all of the actors seem very dedicated to what they're doing, and the stories aren't boring. <laughs> you could say that for sure. Yeah, and this is one of the the seminal uh, horror stories. You know, this is like, uh, what was it? The Dracula is 1897, and Carmilla was published in 1872. Mm. Yeah. So there. Uh, yeah, I think because Dracula was staged a lot and then uh, and then filmed for, uh, first, so that became the you know the essential uh, the founding vampire movie. But as far as stories go, um, you had the Polidori vampire story which was eclipsed by Frankenstein. Uh, but then uh, then you had the Shodan Lefanu Carmilla story. Uh, you know, I, I just think because it wasn't adapted for the media uh, as much as Dracula was, it, it didn't become as famous. Yeah, it's definitely less familiar to your average um, a horror fan you know, like and film... Yeah film buffs in general don't really seem to think about the history of that one versus Dracula. So, right. so um, what's your background with this, Jolie? And what's the, when's the first time you uh, managed to get, to get your eyes on uh, a lesbian vampire movie? I mean, you grew up in England, so it, it wasn't on after school every day, I imagine, but it probably did pop up, didn't it? No, but you'd have the Hammer Hammer films would come on late at night on Saturday nights sometimes. Unedited. Um, so I would have seen. Oh no, they they would have been edited. Okay. Uh, like uh, I doubt there was any of the gore from Vampire Lovers intact. Right. Um, but yeah, you, you did get to see a lot of them. So Vampire Lovers. Uh, I definitely read Camilla quite early. Oh, did you? Is it fairly explicit as books go? No. It just uh, is it's like longing gazes and hand-holding and uh, 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 there's nothing explicit in there. Oh, okay. They, they don't do anything that uh, we consider explicit. Mm. Um, but uh, it's, it's written from the point of view of Laura, who's the, uh, the teenage girl in the story. And she's she's clearly infatuated with uh, Carmilla, and uh, despite the warnings of people around her. No. Uh, the director, I think, said uh, something I read that uh, he didn't find the book uh, to be very uh, uh, heavy on lesbianism. Uh, so, and then Ingrid Pitt said that she felt that. Uh, uh, Carmelo was uh, asexual, if anything. Interesting. So, as far as as far as the setup on this on this movie goes, we get what we find out later is a flashback. Like we we get a cold open on uh, vampire lovers uh, with the misty graveyard and the vampire hunter is out to avenge the death of his sister. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was a pretty good decapitation for the early seventies. I mean, it was no the omen mm-hmm. or anything like that, but it was pretty good. Uh, 
But then we find out later when he's telling the story as a graying old man that he almost didn't make it. And if she hadn't touched his cross necklace and kind of jumped back a bit, he probably would have not made it. So uh, that's kind of, that's kind of told in uh, as a as a uh, second flashback that we know is a flashback, and then we we see how that happens. But um, uh, we we meet all of this cast of characters, and then we kind of get into what's happening with them. And they, I gotta say, they all look like Bond girls. And then uh, later, <laughs> <laughs> and then later, I find out that uh, one of the women in another movie actually was one of the Bond girls. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, Madeline... Uh, what was Madeline she? Smith. Madeline Smith. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so <laughs> that was kind of cool, I got to say. Oh, we also lost Sean Connery, which uh, that was a drag. So that was another one of, another one of the heroic figures of, of film that was recently lost. Yeah, this this has got uh, quite the cast. Um, Don Adams as the Countess was uh, was pretty striking too. Mm-hmm. Like they're yeah, she's she's this like mysterious mother figure in the story. Yeah, you're not quite sure who she is. I'm I'm reading it as a kid. She was just this mysterious figure. You figured she was like a a, a mortal helper to the vampire like Renfield. Yeah. And, mm. uh, but then uh, after seeing, uh, let the right one in, uh, you, you, your mind goes to more sinister, uh, directions. Yeah. Um, you know, how, how long has she been with Carmilla? Yeah. Like, has, is this one of these, um, indentured servant, uh, situations or something? Yes. Was the, um, the portrait of Dorian Gray angle uh, at all found in, I mean, it's found in this movie, but is that at all found in the novella? Or where, where they find the painting? Yeah. Yeah. In the, in the novella, uh, they, in the movie, it's quite awkward that where they go to the old castle first before they race back to save the, the daughter. <laughs> but um, yeah, in the, in the novella, uh, it's narrated by Laura, who's, um, in the movie, she's the first victim that we see. Um, but in, in the novella, it's uh, uh, her friend, Bertha Reinfeldt, is the one who's actually killed first, and then Carmela comes to her place. Um, but anyway, uh, so Laura's, li- she's an English woman who's living on this Austrian estate in, in Styria, and uh, she goes through, or she has the servants go through uh, some of the family heirlooms and bits of artwork in the attic, and uh, they, uh, she wants to dig out this portrait of her ancestors and friends of her ancestors, and she finds the one that looks exactly like Carmilla. Ah, they used a bunch of this stuff in Fright Night. <laughs> oh yeah, as, I mean, a lot, lot of vampire lore comes from this. Yeah, I kind of like that. The critics. Uh, kind of gave this thing mixed reviews um let's see uh variety uh gave the film a review saying that the story was not great and had fairly flat dialogue but the script had all the ingredients it needed well so that's 
kind of interesting. I didn't think the dialogue was flat. I think it was probably just unfamiliar to an American reviewer, especially in the early 70s. And A.H. Um, uh, Weiler of the New York Times called it a departure from the hackneyed bloody norm, professionally directed, opulently staged, and sexy to boot. Uh, then let's see, a monthly film bulletin, whoever the hell that is, declared rather below par, even by recent Hammer standards. This involves the cust- <laughs> customary heavy breathing, lusty fangs, and tolerably luxurious sets with the innovation of an exposed nipple or two to support the lesbian angle. So, yeah, the the usual snotty critics. There were several nipples, to be fair. I think it's one of the best versions of Carmilla. It's it's quite a faithful adaptation. You know, they they rearrange things, as I say, but it's it's fairly close. Uh, I think one uh, one of the classic versions is uh, Vampire, know that one uh yeah i'm familiar uh this is the carl theodore dryer uh film uh from 1932 um anyway, uh, that that makes uh, several more changes on the story but it's uh it's based off carmilla as well actually, actually it's based off uh, carmilla's uh like a novel it's a short story as part of uh showdown of the fan who did uh five stories and they're all from the uh, posthumous records of this occult detective character oh. uh, called uh, Dr. Hesalius. And Carmilla's the fifth one. Um, so uh, Vampire is actually based on several of them at, w- at one time. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a good collection of stories. So uh, what would you say, Julian, year by year, um, where, does the, where does this movie land in the arc of uh, Hammer's uh, quality as far as what they were putting out. Cause like that critic is saying like, Oh, you know, even by recent standards of Hammer films, well, this is 1970. Where do you think we're at with Hammer at that point? I find with Hammer, you've got the initial classics, like uh, the ones that are based off the universal films, mm-hmm. Dracula, Curse of Frankenstein, the mummy, um, and their takes on Jekyll and Hyde and werewolf stories. Um, but then, then they had to kind of uh, pull back on the, the goriness. But then uh, in the 60s, they they did all these things on psycho movies and uh, uh, some of which are very good. Um, but then uh, by the late 60s, early 70s, they're really floundering. They had, uh, they were having all these uh, disasters with distribution deals and so on. Um, so they weren't weren't making anywhere near as much money as they used to. Uh, but they were trying out stuff, and uh, I, I really like these goofy late period Hammer movies. Yeah. Um, so uh, I think at the time uh, there was a general consensus. You know, critics. Uh, tend to be very shy about standing out from the pack and saying, no, no, I think this one is actually, this is actually good. Uh, the trend was that you had all these like uh, modern uh, horror movies coming out, which, uh, you know, Rosemary's Baby and Night of the Living Dead and, uh, and Into the mm-hmm. 70s. 
uh, and they were regarded as the cutting edge and the hammer is suddenly really old-fashioned um, so you know even when they were doing like quite interesting films they were the critics tended to be uh, really ready to put them down uh, but but you know uh, I think people have come back around and they're they're taking a look at them and saying now some of these are quite interesting movies in their own right yeah I mean, they're, they're, they're uh, the ones that you know they were churning out like uh, the Dracula movies uh, uh, you know they they tend to be their weakest ones you know they're making them for the money because right. they knew they could sell them around the world but because they uh, they could do double bills they could do an interesting movie to go out with them I would I would tend to agree you know there's there's a lot interesting here and uh, you know the people who complain probably are just jumping on the bandwagon um, but we talked last episode about how the early 70s were such a heyday suddenly and a very short of fireworks display of, of lesbian vampires it was just like two, three years, and then it was like, all right, moving on. Uh, then there, there were a couple later, right. couple later on, but uh, the other one that we watched, I assume all of us watched Daughters of Darkness. Did you get this one, Will? Yeah. Yeah. Um, this one was definitely different. This one was a Belgian movie, not, not a hammer, although it was in the same time period. Um, this one was interesting. I wasn't sure what the characters were up to or what or what their what their <laughs> what their angle was at the beginning of this. Yeah. But and I really liked this one. I liked Vampire Lovers too, though I felt at times it could have been a little faster. Um and we probably could have done without the uh the little uh what we real is a flashback, but the little lead in, although I really like the ghost effect. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I thought this movie was, was fantastic. Daughters of Darkness. Uh, this looked so good. Yeah. Um, there is nothing better looking than horror movies from the seventies. <laughs> yeah. A lot of them anyway. <laughs> This does look gorgeous, this movie. And it's cast with pretty much just beautiful people, except for the ogre who's the concierge. But, uh, yeah, this is, this is off. I mean, you're, uh, I don't know if it actually, it, it's filmed in, uh, in Belgium. I don't know if it gets into Bruges or not. Um, we're yeah, they go to Bruges. They, okay, yeah, they, they go there. Oh, see, I have not been to Bruges, so I don't know, because they're in uh, Ostend, uh, yeah. which is the seaside uh, hotel that they're staying in. And when they, say, <clears throat> when they say they're in Bruges, I don't know if they are or they aren't. So, Yeah, they, they take that day trip. Yeah, which is a... After seeing that movie in Bruges, I was like, dude, that place does look just magical. <laughs> Who wouldn't want to go there? Have you been there, Jolene? <laughs> no, no. Man. I'd like to. Yeah, that, that's, that's on the to-do list. Um, so the, the, um, the locations are all great. Uh, the, the actors, except the ones that are supposed to be ogres, are all beautiful. And uh, 
we have this compelling yeah. story. The we costume don't, designs. The costumes are great. It's all this modern stuff from the early 70s. It's so mod and flashy. When did you discover this one? Because we borrowed it from you. So tell us where you got this. Like, how did you know about it? Right. Oh, this would have been a late, late night show. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like it's exploitive at all? Exploitive? What? How do you mean? I mean, are they are they using all of the parts of what they're doing because it drives the story, or are they just like, "Hey, check out this nudity! Hey, check out this beautiful creature doing these things"? Oh no, uh, it's all it's all part of the the story. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It doesn't seem to exploit at all, which is kind of interesting because a lot of these movies would, but this one isn't. Yeah, the, the, there's characters in it who are exploiting sexuality. Well, yeah, that's. Um, I, you have the the Elspeth character and the Stefan character are both uh, treating other people as pets. Yeah, for sure. He's awful. Yeah. <laughs> It's just the worst newlywed husband on earth. Yeah. Poor woman. Yeah. She, she seems really awesome, and he's kind of a dick, isn't he? Yeah, the poor I Valerie. <laughs> I mean, he whips her with a belt. Yeah, what the hell was that right. all about? I thought he was going to be a vampire, too. Yeah. Right, yeah, because uh, he keeps saying that she keeps telling him to phone his mother, and he says he will, but then he keeps coming up with excuses why he can't get through to mother. So you yeah. wonder what mother is. Does mother exist or not? And then there's that twist halfway through. <laughs> yeah. Did yeah. you expect that? No. No, not at all. How about that twist? <laughs> yeah. Um,. He's, he even slips a note to the concierge saying, uh, don't do it, act like you couldn't get through, and then slips him some money. Right, right. So our question is, yeah. what's he hiding? Is he just, is he just a vampire? And uh, I'm yeah. surprised later in the movie that he's not. But <laughs> a lot of the vampire stuff of the time doesn't depend on them hiding from sunlight at all costs. Like they could be in a room where the light is obscured, but most vampire movies are like, if there's a ray of sunshine anywhere near them, they explode. So yes. no, knowing that we're allowed to believe that he could be out during the day. Cause maybe he's a different kind of vampire, but, uh, well, I mean, Camilla and Dracula, they're, they're just weaker by daylight. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I remember Dracula wanders around in the day. So, Will, is this the first time seeing this one for you? Yeah. Uh, how how did the story go for you? Because this is obviously this is uh, if you have the full unedited movie, it's a hundred minutes. It's a mm -hmm. little longer than you normally prefer. The edited version is just under ninety minutes. Um. Were you bored even for a minute? No, I wasn't. Even though this was this was a slow burn, I wrote down slow burn question mark uh, <laughs> when uh, 
I don't remember her name. I'm going to call her Valentina because that's the comic character she looks like. But, uh, 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 Elizabeth. Oh, 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 Ilona. Ilona. Yeah. 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 She's staring out at the beach, watching them walk on the beach. And I was like, oh, this is going to be a slow burn movie. And it was, it was, and it was really good, uh, for it. Yeah. So who is, who is Ilona? Is she a, um, another one of these half vampire servants? Or was she? I think she's. I think she's a full vampire. Is she? Okay. I wasn't entirely. Well, she freaked out so much with the running water, which I didn't realize. I knew vampires couldn't cross over running water, but I didn't realize they couldn't get in the shower. Yeah. Or go out in the rain. Seems weird, but yeah, like if if you're depending on that lore, yeah, then that does explain that. I, my mind always goes to that guy in Fright Night, though. Like, what the hell is he? The the Jerry Dandridge's manservant? It's like he can be shot with a gun and not die, but he isn't a vampire. So I kind of feel like I'm always on the lookout for those halfling kind of characters. Those little, mm. you know, semi-pseudo vampires. Or are they a full-fledged vampire? So... Do you think Ilona was made a vampire when she was a flapper? She looked kind of 1920s, didn't she? Yeah, she's very uh, Louise Brooks looking. Exactly. Right, right. Yeah, she had the silent movie uh, starlet look to her. For sure. Yeah, um, yeah the, uh, the Elizabeth character arriving in this vintage car driven by her vampire assistant secretary. Now that you guys have established, she's actual full vampire. Um, you got to wonder like, when did they start doing this? You, you remember we watched that movie, um, uh, Byzantium. I think it was Byzantium. Right. Yes. It was a women in the seaside town where they're in, they're in, uh, Hastings. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, we watched right. we watched that one and another one around the same time. Uh, we own the night or something like that. There were a couple of them where it was like um, only lovers left alive. That one, yeah, that one too. Um, but I think it was we are the night. Or yeah, I remember. Yeah, there's these these characters. When you meet them, you're like, how long have they been doing this? You know, has it been hundreds of years? Has it been a couple decades? Did they just start? And uh, mm -hmm. I started wondering early on, like you guys were just saying, um, like Will was just saying, is Stefan a vampire? And it turns out he's not. But how does he know Elizabeth? Did they establish how they knew each other to start? Mm, I don't think so. Did you pick that up at all, Julian? I think, I think he'd only heard her name before. Okay, because I got the idea that um, that they knew each other before this. Yeah, no, I don't. I didn't take it as, uh, as that he knew her personally, but he knew of her, and or at least knew of Elizabeth Bathory uh, 
from 300 years ago. Right. Obviously, yeah. that couldn't be the same person. Right. But she is rather famous, or infamous, I should say. Right. Yeah, the, the Countess becomes very obsessed with the uh, newlyweds, like, right away. And... There's yeah. just there's just a familiarity there uh, with with Stefan that made me think like there was a previous connection because it I mean it seemed like like he knew Ilona like she just sh- showed up in his room and he knew who she was like they had some history but that that's that's how I read it when I first watched it which makes me want to watch this one again yeah I didn't take it that way but he, he just likes himself so much. <laughs> I just thought he, he just liked himself so much. He just assumed that, you know, he'd have a connection with these beautiful women and he could take them to bed because that's just the kind of guy he is. Yeah. Yeah, like like most newlyweds want to do. They played him for it. Oh, totally. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it seems like she died accidentally way too easily, didn't it? Like she slipped on a razor and just died? <laughs> yeah, or was it... Yeah, she gets that straight razor in there. Or was it, yeah. The, yeah, was it the running water that killed her? But then, obviously, let's just uh, go bury the body in the sand. And, and, I kept waiting for the... Uh, I mean, he shows up in the distance, but I kept waiting for the detective to, to be more of a Van Helsing, and then he just gets run over <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's a really crappy Van Helsing, isn't he? Yeah, poor guy. Yeah. If only Van think? Helsing was Dutch. Yeah. If, if oh yeah, he was. If I only, didn't even make that connection, but yeah, you think he is onto them at some point? You think that he, yeah. he follows them home on the bus, and you're like, he knows what's up, but. I don't know. I don't really know what he thought was going on. I suppose he kind of figured that was a vampire. I'm not really sure what he thought. Uh, yeah, I, I find watching it this time it was a lot. It was a lot campier than I remembered it being in a, in a good way. It mm-hmm. was quite funny. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So he he yeah, he just struck he just struck me as this like uh, Mickey take of that Van Helsing uh, sort yeah. of character, the expert who knows more about you know vampire lore and such than anybody else. But he just gets knocked off his bicycle and he's out movie. Oh, I shouldn't laugh. <laughs> uh, what was she drinking? There's a scene there where uh, Elizabeth has a turquoise-colored sort of thick drink, huh. a martini glass, and she hands it to uh, uh, her secretary, who then pours it in a plant. Right. You know, uh, when when the couple aren't watching. But I was just like, what right. the hell is that drink? <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of milky liqueur, isn't it? Yeah, it was thick, and yeah. Yeah, Bizarre, I've never seen anything like it. No, and uh, recently I've been kind of researching some uh, uh, tiki bar drinks, like what some different recipes, different versions of uh, 
tiki bar drinks. And I never even saw anything close to that. Like, you know, blue curacao with milk in it. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like, bizarre. who's going to drink that crap? How about, uh, how about, uh, Stefan taking, uh, Valerie past the dead body, rubbernecking on your honey. Yeah. Oh my God. So that was another thing that made me like, did he do that? Did he kill that woman? That's what I thought too. I was surprised he hadn't. I thought he was turning into a bat, flying out there, killing women and then flying back to the room while she slept or something. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. And also, um, I noticed he seemed to wear a lot of red. And I didn't know quite what to make of that because uh, Elizabeth wears a red gown at some point. Um, there, one theory I read was that um, she represents the Nazi colors of black, white, and red uh, by wearing those colors. So it's... Um, no. So it's, it's maybe. So it's it's anti-Nazi, but it's also uh, painting her as a demagogue. Mm. But is it paralleling them because they're both people who treat uh, other people as just pets they can throw away? That's yeah. There you go. Yeah, that would make sense. Yeah. Yeah. There's yeah. I, I, this kind of this predates uh, "Don't Look Now," doesn't it? Because that that definitely has color coding in it, and it's also they go to these old canal towns in Europe. Yeah, and there's there's mysterious killings going on. Mm-hmm. I, I wonder if this this was any uh, influence on that. I wonder, yeah, because it seemed like the, the color people were wearing were really important. Um, you know, at some point. Uh, Elizabeth and uh, Valerie are all in white, which made neat neat scenes at the end when they were on the beach. That's all you could really make out, their white outfits. Right. I wondered if there wasn't more to it, uh, aside from, you know, the kind of boring, prosaic, white is virginal or innocent. Yeah. Uh, Because, you know, Elizabeth's wearing it, too. Yeah, and she's far from the innocent in this movie. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, this this really was something else. I I want to watch this one again just as like there's got to be a bunch of stuff that I missed and and I, I I don't know if you feel the same way will like could you possibly have caught everything on a first viewing? No, no. Not at all. Yeah, so this would this was a good one. Did you get a chance to watch a third one at all? I only watched this one and Vampire Lover. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to try to watch a couple more uh, probably tomorrow. Yeah. Um, you'll see what I'm talking about in Blood Spattered Bride, the, 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 the uh, scene with the jump cut. Um, it's, it's pretty glaringly obvious to me that that was deliberate but uh tell me if i'm wrong when you watch that one okay uh yeah which which you know that's got newlyweds in it um it's got vampires in it like these are recurring themes but uh that one uh 
was from 72. The other two were from 19... What, 70 and 71? Vampire Lovers was 1970. Daughters of Darkness was 71. Um, Something like that. Yeah, between between uh, this one that's kind of a one-off uh, from Spain, um, Blood Spattered Bride, everything else seems to either be a, um, a Jess Franco movie or a Hammer film for just this little period of time. <laughs> and it's it's really kind yeah, of well, it's kind of exciting. Just just Franco did he did uh, the Soledad Miranda films. Uh, so uh, so he did uh, Female Vampire and Vampires Lesbos, and then uh, his fellow countryman uh, Jose Laraz did Vampires, which is shot in England. Uh, and then in France you had. Uh, Blood and Roses, which was 1960, so that was an early entry. Um, after, you know, accepting a vampire, of course, and uh, and also from France, you had all those uh, Jean Roland movies, like uh, Requiem for a Vampire. So there was a lot of it going on in Europe at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Why did it die off? What and what replaced it? <laughs> That's a couple things that I have to ask. Uh, I think I think because uh, you could take horror, the sexuality in horror movies so far at that point, uh, but then uh, porn was going mainstream at that point too. Oh yeah, uh, and I think uh, once that kicked in, you know, when when everyone was going to see Deep Throat, um, you know, that it was just no interest in something. I was just hinting at things, right. Yeah. And so that, that made that that aspect of it redundant, and then uh, and then on the horror side of of things, you know, uh, you had these movies like uh, Exorcist, and uh, that could be uh, you know full on explicit about the horror side of things. So uh, that kind of did in the old Hammer the uh, Hammer approach, which uh, you know which had been uh, considered. Uh, extremely explicit and graphic back in its day but uh yeah. by this point it was seen as old-fashioned so it was it was the new wave of porn and the new wave of horror that took this stuff that had a little of both and just sort of made it irrelevant yeah to most audiences okay that makes sense um there wasn't a bad movie in the bunch now like i said i haven't watched the fourth one that was what was the one that was on the flip side of that other disc? The Countess Dracula. Yeah, how is that one, Jolien? Countess Dracula. Uh, I've not seen that one in a while, but that's, that's in Grip Pit as well. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. That can't be bad. Right. No. Um, She's easy on the on. <laughs> yep. So. Uh, yeah, I like, I like most of these. I'm, I'm, uh, I've seen a few recent ones, like... Uh, uh, lesbian vampire killers, which has got James Corden in it, uh, and that one's just terrible. It's just not funny. Okay. It, it's it's trying to be funny, but it's not. But it's uh, you know, it's got uh, the, the lead vampire, and that is called Carmilla. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, but that, that one's lame. Wow. I, I've not seen any good recent ones or heard of any good recent ones. Well, then I guess. Uh it's a it's a snapshot of uh, that period in time then uh, before everything steamrolled over it with its 
you know, uh, indulgences or however you want to say it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I think, I think yeah. it's kind of magical. It's kind of cool. Like there wasn't even the ones that weren't as good, like, uh, twins of evil, uh, was still really fun. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, I really liked twins yeah. of evil. I yeah. thought twins of yeah. evil was a lot of fun. Yeah. It's, it's a, uh, it's a more fun version for sure. Yeah. Like, I like the campiness, you know. Yeah. Yeah, like you almost. You got twins, so. Yeah. Not right. Yeah, like you, you almost could put all of these on a, a chart and throw a dart at it and not accidentally hit one that's less than. They're, they're mostly pretty good, like really fun to watch. Yeah. And, and, uh, and I kind of feel like. I just recently started to notice the, the, the year of production on most of these and said, wait a minute, this was a trend. This wasn't just like a bunch of different movies from different years. This was all focused mostly around the same mm-hmm. time. So right. it made me want to watch more of them. And I started watching them as I could find them on uh, Amazon prime and things like that. And it's, it's really cool to sort of uh, dig a little deeper on this uh, uh, thanks a lot to your um, your movie library, Jolin. <laughs> yeah, it's a good little subgenre, you know. You, you know, you can enjoy them as a straight person. You can enjoy them as a gay person. You can enjoy them as uh, a vampire person who's like who, who's you know who's given a, like a fantasy uh, experience of uh, you know, these gay characters. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think it's a it's an interesting little uh, subgenre. Yeah, it it uh, it deserves more ex- exploration from uh, horror fans who haven't. So in saying that, I I, I don't know if um, if we really even have to go through the uh, the thing of like, do you recommend them or don't you? I mean, uh, it seems pretty clear we all enjoy these and think that. I mean, don't you think horror horror movie fans should who haven't seen these should probably seek them out. Definitely. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So it, it gets all the recommends from us. And, and I think that, um, if you're, if you're all about everything has to be from Jason Voorhees to present, well, you're going to have to just sort of set that aside. You know, this is, this predates that and it's, it's got its own charms in different ways. And and they're pretty exciting. They're really fun to watch. Uh, who's whose uh, turn is it to pick the next movie? Uh, I think it's me. Uh, yeah. I yeah. Think. Do you have anything in mind? Uh, well, uh, Will was saying that uh, he didn't want to watch anything good because <laughs> it was hard to concentrate on something. So I was kind of worried about uh, Daughters of Darkness. But, um, uh, no, it was so- excellent. So I, I looked. Uh, I looked around for stuff that I haven't seen, but uh, promises not to be good. Um, I, I thought, what if we check out uh, Carnosaur? Oh God! Okay. Carnosaur is good. So this is this, this is a trilogy from the early to mid nineties, uh, based on a novel that predated Jurassic Park. Yeah. But. Uh, the movies did not. 
but anyway, they're uh, they're on YouTube, um, so we can all see them and uh, enjoy them and uh, be glad we spent an hour and a half watching them. Um, so uh, yeah, that's my suggestion. All right, let's do I've it. I've seen one and two. I'll have to watch three now. Okay. And two had nothing to do with part one, and was a total, <laughs> total ripoff of Alien. Oh man! To the All point right. where you wonder why they didn't call it Carnosaur. Yeah, <laughs> Carnosaur and Carnosaurs, and then like look look it up. If you don't watch it, at least look up the stills because oh, who is it? I can't remember the the guy now, but the guy who plays the Paul Reiser character in Alien is dressed exactly like Paul Reiser's character from Alien. <laughs> okay. And, uh, and it plays out like a really, really low-budget high school version of Alien. Oh, right. Yeah. I think Carnosaur was probably better. I actually kind of liked Carnosaur when I saw it a zillion years ago. I have to rewatch it. It's, uh, I remember that the, uh, I think they fight the Tyrannosaur, or the dinosaur with a, with a, little bobcat front end loader at the end, which is not as exciting as it sounds. <laughs> you know, any listeners... Which is funny. Oh, go ahead. Uh, any listeners who don't know how effective a bobcat could be as a weapon, watch... Um, a lot of people call them skid steers, uh, but look up skid steer rodeo or bobcat rodeo. It's stunning. Oh, my God. These the way some of these guys could drive these things. Holy crap. Doing somersaults and wheelies and okay. What? Oh yeah. Look it up. Look up skid steer rodeo. All right. <laughs> so go ahead, Will. Sorry. Oh, I, I think it's funny you brought up Carnosaur cause I was going to, I was kind of thinking next time uh, it was my choice to pick uh, perhaps Roger Corman's film. Oh, I don't yes. think we've covered any Roger Corman. Have we? I don't think so. We talked no, about I'm... them, but I don't think we've covered one as our uh, yeah. as our featured attraction. So, Carnage Story. You mean uh, recent ones or classics? Okay. Yeah. Well, cool. All That's right. Good. Was that a good place to uh, call it a show? Let's call it a show. Cool, it's a show. Hey, listeners, thank you for listening. Stay off the more. <laughs>